0: Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Clive Urquhart. So Pastor Colin in the last few weeks has brought three tremendous messages, just rich in truth. And uh, we always say about Pastor Colin that he makes profound truths simple in terms of explaining them, coming across in a way that you can just grasp it. The revelation that is uh, that is in there. So good uh, to have him back with us. Uh, you know, just bringing the word, teaching, and building up who we are as uh, as a people. And I know we've had lots of feedback saying um, it's so good to have Pastor Colin back. So uh, we're going to have more of him, obviously, going forward as well. Now, I want to just flow on from the last few weeks, and uh, there's some stuff that I want to share this morning. Uh, the, some of it is, is in the context of what I believe God is, is doing and saying and what that looks like uh, in our lives. And it's, it's earthing the reality of the truth we've heard in the last few weeks in a very, very practical way uh, in us. Now, I just want to start by, by kind of giving this, this frame. Now, uh, th- there's two ways that we can describe the Word of God. One is the Logos word and one is the Ramer word and the Logos word is God's word, the unchanging word of God, okay? The written word uh, and, it's, and, and when you kind of get into that word a bit more, Logos, the written word, the unchanging word of God, who he is, because the word is who he is, it's not just what is written down, but the word written is who God is and it's, it's really God who is active in creation, in redemption, in his purposes, okay? His Logos word is him at work, outworking who he is and what he says. Okay, that's the Logos word, the unchanging word that is being unfolded. Then the rhema word is when God speaks to you in a particular moment. He speaks to you and brings the word alive in that moment. So you've got the logos word, his word, unchanging word, he's unchanging, the same yesterday, today and forever. And then what happens in in your life and in your walk with Him, as we walk with God together, God speaks and brings revelation in that moment of what He is saying. Okay, so He brings the Logos alive in a fresh way in that moment so that we live in the good of it. So the last three weeks, we've heard some brilliant teaching. And, and it's so that we live in the good of the truth of who we are in Christ and who he is in us. That we're not trying to attain anything in Christ. It's what he has given us and what we then receive and live in the good of, okay? and then it's what we apply in our lives. So the rhema word, the now word, when God speaks and he brings revelation, the word comes alive. It's so that God wants that to become a reality in us so that it's not just knowledge in our minds, but it's a reality in our spirit, a reality in what we believe and then apply and then live out in a very, very practical way. So God wants to speak into our lives daily. That's why we, we read the word. And, and uh, we have this thing called SOAP, S-O-A-P, Scripture, the word. O, observation, what's he saying through the word? A is application, well, what does that mean for my life? And P, I'm going to pray through that and really make sure that it's in me so that I can then live it and work that out. So God wants to speak to us every day. That's why we read the word daily. Uh, Reading the word daily is not a religious activity, something we are supposed to do. Pastor Colin brought a brilliant word last week about we don't do the things we ought to or we think we should do. In that revelation of love that we live in, in our relationship with God, in a relationship with God, there isn't an ought to, should do, supposed to. In In a relationship of love, there is, man, I want to. I just, I want to give, I want to do something in relation to that other person. And so when we read the word, God has given us his word, his logos, if you like, so that when we feed on it, when we read it, then God wants to rhema something from his word into our lives that brings it alive uh, in us. And uh, so we, so daily he wants us to be reading, feeding on the word, okay, so that he can take the logos of his word and speak a rhema in that moment into us. But also Sunday by Sunday, if you like, we have a, we, our meetings are online at the moment, obviously, and uh, we speak the word of God. And so again, God wants to take the Logos, but he wants to speak Rhema every week to help encourage and build our faith so that we walk with him and uh, in relationship, but then living that out. So. When God speaks, there's a couple of things that normally happen. And, and uh, one is that He sometimes challenges us, but also He encourages us. Uh, sometimes when, when we hear God's Word or we read God's Word, God's not out to purposely challenge us and give us a hard time. But, you know, sometimes when we read His Word or we hear His Word, we, we, we're reading it and sitting there and thinking, wow, man, I don't know if I believe that. Or wow, I didn't realize it said that. Or, wow, that, that challenges something in me. And, and so sometimes God, God's Word challenges a mind Mindset, uh, or challenges a behaviour, or challenges a way that we think, or, or, or something we've done, but also so that we can align everything with His Word. But also His Word encourages us, so that it builds us up, and the two go together: challenge and encourage, encourage and challenge. Okay, so that. We grow and mature as believers that we take responsibility in our lives, for, uh, for our own lives, okay. We take responsibility spiritually for our walk with God. And, and some of the areas we take responsibility in are firstly believing. I, I'm taking responsibility in my, in my own life to believe what God is saying but also I take responsibility to respond to what God is saying because I want to respond to Him and live in the good of that. And, and, but part of that response is so that I then apply it in my life. So over the last few months, God has said a lot on Sundays. He said a lot in different ways in other settings, prayer meetings, encounter nights or whatever set other settings you might have been listening to as well. God has been saying a lot, but why does God continually speak? because He builds layer by layer in our lives, step by step, He builds into our lives. So God is constantly adding revelation, truth, so that we live more and more fully in Him. So we might say, for example, I have three or four weeks where we do, uh, uh, or maybe longer, uh, on a particular theme or subject. Okay, and what's God doing? He doesn't just want us to have a theme or a subject, say, on a, as a church, so that we have some things to preach and teach for a few weeks, and then we move on to another theme, so that you know we're, we're being good pastors or whatever. What, what God wants is that when He when He says, "I want you to focus on this aspect of truth for a period of time." Time, it's because he wants that to become more and more a reality in us that's that's built in and added to our lives in the way that we live out that truth we live in the good of it it's now become part of us as a living reality okay in the way that we live it's like yep yeah, that was revelation that was brilliant that was so good god spoke to me he did this in me we then from that moment, live in the good of that. Okay, and that's why God speaks to us for a period of time. So he doesn't speak for, say, you know, five, six, seven, eight weeks on something. And then we can tick that and say, well, he's done that. What's next? And then we park it and say, well, that was brilliant. Then what what, what are the guys going to teach for the next few weeks? Or where are we going as a church for the next few months? And then we kind of focus on that, but forget what has gone before. See, what God does, he works in us individually, but he also works amongst us together so that we move forward in the way that God wants us to as a church, okay? And so when he speaks, for example, over these last few months, one of the, one of the things that God's been speaking about uh, in the context of all the COVID stuff um, and everybody having to do life in a completely different way, including how we, we, we do church uh, in that sense, in terms of some of the, the functions and things that we do, uh, what's God doing? He's, he's been clearing the decks, making some, uh, getting some things out of the way so that we become more agile as a believer. We become more agile as a church. What does the word agile mean? It means responsive, to be very responsive, sensitive to response and adaptable. Okay, when you're agile, you, you're ready to move in whatever direction. And I believe that God is wanting His church overall to be more agile, more responsive, more adaptable uh, to what he's saying, because of the times that we live in. Things are changing and things are going to continue to change. But if we don't change in the way that we go about, doing certain things, OK, then the way we're doing certain things become irrelevant, be- irrelevant, because there's so much change going on around us. Does the gospel change? No. Does the fundamental things of who God change, uh, who is change? No. And we're going to come on to some of that in a moment. But some of how we think about who we are and what we should be doing as a church, OK, and how we do things, some of that will change, OK, because of what is going on around us. So in terms of being agile, couple of things that God is speaking about. He's been talking to us about having healthy homes, healthy families, healthy relationship with God in our homes. That's why we've called Sunday morning Church at Home, because we're not in a building together somewhere. Uh, we're Church at Home. And, and you might be on your own. You might be just a married couple. You might have kids in your home, or you might have other people that live with you in your your household. Whatever it looks like, okay, we have church at home. And now it is possible for us to have people round. If you live on your own, you could invite other people round to your house on Sunday morning so you can have church at home together. You might you might already be doing that today. Some of you might as a small group up to six people be meeting in your home this morning uh, because you want to be together so that you're not on your own. We can we have that freedom. We have that flexibility uh, to do that at this time. But God has been talking about having healthy homes. And one of the things he said is that healthy homes lead to a healthy church. Sometimes we think that if we just gather together, that will be healthy. But the health and strength and vibrancy of when we come together is very much determined by how we are in our own world, in our own settings, in our own home. And if we're healthy in the home and healthy in our relationships, both with God and with one another, and, and what we're doing Doing in relation to God in our homes, in our families, in the settings that we're in, when we come together, man, that's going to be more healthy, more powerful, more fruitful uh, because of what's going on in our lives. And another part of that connected with healthy homes, God spoke to us and said, it's time for the saints. What was all that about? Is it about, it's time for the saints, grassroots move of the Holy Spirit, okay, uh, in terms of what he's doing. And we're going to unpack a bit of this this morning. And what Pastor Colin was saying the last few weeks has been so, so important to encourage us in terms of who we are in Christ, okay? That, that, when we have that revelation, we live in the good of that, it's like this massive shield of faith that is around our lives that the enemy can't penetrate with his fiery darts and lies. Because the revelation of that truth of who we are is more powerful than the fiery darts of the enemy that want to try and quench that, uh, uh, put that out or affect that in some way. And so when we're strengthened in the way that we've heard over the last few weeks, when we're encouraged and built up like we have been the last few weeks, that enables us to step forward more confidently, more boldly in our lives and believe what God is saying to us individually and to us together. okay. so in relation to that, the church is still open. The church is not closed. The church is not shut. Maybe there's lots of people that say, well, because churches aren't meeting on a Sunday, the church is closed. Well, we know that the church is not a meeting on a Sunday. Church is not about people gathering in a building. We know that church is the people, is you and I together. Church effectively is two or three in a home. When Jesus said, where two or three gather in my name, There I am in the midst of you." And we heard a few weeks ago when I last spoke, going through Matthew 18, that uh, to, to bind and to loose. And then the agreement comes out of a of, of relationship of agreement, not just saying to a person standing next to you, would you agree with me for this? It, it's more about a lifestyle of agreement because we're right hearts together, walking together, living together in Christ as believers. And in that context, we bind and loose and overcome the enemy because he has no answer to believers that are living in agreement together in the way that we we spoke about. So we know church is more than just gathering in a a meeting Uh, and the church is still alive and kicking because most of what a church does in its expression is what happens Monday to Saturday, not on a Sunday. Now, we are having church now in the sense that we have a Sunday morning service and and we are all in our homes and maybe half a dozen of us are in a building here uh, in terms of enabling this thing to happen. Uh, But we're having church right now in that sense. So sometimes we think until we gather back on a Sunday, the church is either on hold or the church is not open. And I just want to speak into that for a few minutes because it links into where we're going this morning and where we're going for the next few weeks on on, on Sundays in terms of what I believe God wants to, to say. Um, there, there are many churches that are beginning to or, or to gather on a Sunday morning in some way or other. Okay, and. Uh And that's brilliant because gathering on a Sunday, it's part of who we are as church, to gather, to meet, to worship together, to fellowship together. We might not necessarily know everybody when we gather, um, but we are connecting with people we know, we're meeting new people, we're we're fellowshipping, we're we're connecting and all of that, we're worshipping together, we're hearing God's word together. There's that, if I can put it this way, the body expression or corporate expression of church, that is essential going forward, okay? And, and in a couple of weeks' time uh, we're going to begin to make that an opportunity available on a Sunday morning uh, to, to a smaller number of people, okay? Firstly, it's going to be at Roffy Place in the worship hall there. We're going to make that space available up to probably around about 30 people or so. And uh, initially, we're, for those that do live on their own, okay, or you might be the only person in your household that's a believer, uh, and if it 's quite a challenge uh, and it's not if having church at home is not easy for you in that setting, um, then you, we want to prioritize you guys first that if if you want to gather uh, with up to about thirty others on Sunday uh, morning. A roy place and we're going to with that opportunity is going to become available it will be watching the stream it's not going to be a separate service with its own worship and message or anything it will be this what we're doing now and what you're getting at home that's what will happen in that room you'll have to wear face masks and there'll be social distancing and everything else that goes with it but we want to make that opportunity available to you and if there is quite a demand for that over the next few weeks after that uh, then then we're, we're looking at opening up the hub area in this building, and it's open to anybody in any congregation, and we'll give you more details next week. Okay, on how that's going to work and how you can b- register and book in for that. Okay, but we, what we're saying, we, we understand, we believe it's important that we gather together and we create an opportunity for some to do that. Okay, but I want to I want to say a but here, and this is this is one of the reasons why we're not trying to fully open a Sunday. It's very, very difficult in this building to do what what we could do, okay? Because I believe there's something more fundamental that God is doing at this time. More fundamental than trying to get some kind of Sunday morning going. And I'm having conversations with lots of other church leaders, whether locally in Horsham and uh, our own partnering churches and other guys that I know uh, in different parts of the nation and, and what people are sensing God is saying and doing. There are many churches who are looking at doing in-person Sundays in some way or other. OK, and I believe that's important. But I believe in the Western church, particularly, If we just focus on, we're trying to regather and we're supposed to be getting everybody back in a room. We should be doing Sundays. We should be doing this. The government's shutting this down. No, 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 no. We're completely missing the point, I believe, because I believe there's something more fundamental that God is doing than just us trying to spend a lot of time and energy to get everybody back in a room somehow. Some of our congregations can't meet anyway because the venues they use, they're not available to to hire at this moment. But I believe there's something more fundamental. Without addressing some of the weaknesses of the Western church, we will just go back to what we've known if we just think we've got to get back to meet on a Sunday. And if we don't, then the church is still not fully operating, fully open, fully. I believe there's something more fundamental that God is doing at this time. And I believe God wants us to focus on how we're living Monday to Saturday than trying to get a meeting going on a Sunday. We're having a meeting now. We have a Sunday service. It's just streamed. It's different than what we're used to. And so in this fundamental moment, as a leadership, we are praying through some things. We are talking through some things about how we need to develop as a church in all our congregations, Monday through Saturday, because that's where the expression of our Christian life and faith needs to be seen and heard by our neighbors, our friends, our family, our work colleagues and the community out there. And I believe that God wants to strengthen some things in the life of who we are as a church that if we just focused or mainly focused on trying to get everybody back on a Sunday in some way or other, we would then miss some of the things that God is already doing and wants to continue doing in our lives. You might have say, Clive, you've made that point uh, uh, already. Can you now move on in your message? But I believe it's important that we understand. So what is God doing now? There's a lot of talk about new. Uh, there's a new normal. There's new things. God's doing something new. Uh, And when that language and terminology is used, often what we do is we then say, right, everything up to this point that has happened, we call the old. And if we're not careful, what we do is we chuck, we throw everything that we think is the old away and say, right, God is doing something totally new now. This is the new normal. This is all new. This is going to be brilliant. And so therefore we sometimes then throw out the old. Well, what has been in that season of time not all of it is, is rubbish. Not all of it God's finished with. Not all of it is just old. Uh, and in the new, what we what we sometimes do and we like about speaking about the new as Christians, sometimes God's doing a new thing, God's doing a new thing, is sometimes we like talking about the new because then we don't have to deal with some things that we are saying in the old that weren't old. They are just that they are some things that God is doing, but we're just not very good at. Or we don't really want to get to grips with. So we like talking about the new because it's new things and we can leave all that behind. And if it's new, well, it must be new. Well, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be brilliant. Now, I believe there's something different about old and ancient paths. Now, there's ancient paths that God constantly wants us to walk in that never get old. So Pastor is teaching the last few weeks, he was teaching ancient paths. He's teaching the truth. He's teaching the Logos word. And in that Logos, there's rhema for each one of us in terms of what he was teaching. So he was teaching ancient paths, truths that are going to be the same yesterday, today and forever. Okay, so let's have a look at Jeremiah 6, verse 16 for a moment. It says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient Paths. It's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes in prayer we say, Father, what's the new thing? Father, give us that new thing. What's the new thing that you're doing? And actually, what does the word say? The word says, stand at the crossroads and look. What does it mean? It means, right, in the moment that you are in, stand in the moment because there's always decisions to be made. Always. The enemy lies to you. You've got a decision that you make. Am I going to believe that lie? Or, um, or am I going to believe something else that I know is true? And am I going to begin to take hold of the word? Say, no, I'm not going to listen to that lie. I'm going to listen to the truth and live in the good of it in this moment. That is a crossroads moment. OK, there's other decisions that we make in our lives that could be a crossroad moment. And what does the word say? Stand at the crossroads. Stand at the moment of decision and look. Now, what does it say to do? It doesn't say ask for the new thing. It says, ask for the ancient paths. Hmm, interesting. Ask for the ancient paths. The new always sounds exciting. Ancient paths sometimes are like, hmm, doesn't sound as exciting as a new thing. But the word says, ask for the ancient paths. Then what does it say? Ask where the good way is and then walk in it. So the last few weeks, Pastor Klein's teaching, brilliant, ancient path, ancient truths, OK, that, that he's been teaching so that that is the good way to walk. It's good to walk in Christ Jesus and Christ in you, free from condemnation, living in the power of the truth, OK, and, and, and then walk in it. And what's the result of that? He says, and you will find rest for your souls. I believe that God wants us to have a rest in our souls that if what we think the church is or should be doing never gets back to what we think it should be because times are changing, things are changing. Let's just use this as an example that we need to be, have a rest in our souls, in our lives, personally and together as a, as a church, that no matter what's going on, We're not hankering after something that we think should be happening, but we're actually looking forward and saying, "Okay, God, what are the ancient paths? How how are you saying I need to live right now according to your Logos, the ancient paths, and then the Rhema along that Logos, along the ancient paths? What are you saying right now so that I live in the good of that? And then I'm agile, I change, I shift. Another word for shift is to pivot. We had this, we've had this word during lockdown, haven't we? Called the, the word pivot in relation to throw your nets on the other side of the boat. So we've been doing certain things in certain ways. Jesus rocks up to, and they said, Right, he says to the guys, throw your nets on the other side, go out to the deep and throw it. And they caught a massive load of fish. And what's God saying to us? He's saying pivot, shift from... There's a shift going on right now. You're pivoting from, from living in a certain way, doing things in a certain way. You're pivoting now to do things in a way that I want you to do. But what's he basically saying? He's not just saying, I'm pivoting you for new things. He said, I'm pivoting you to make sure you're living in the ancient paths. And some of that will look new because we might not have been living in it in a way that God wants, but ancient paths can look new. Okay. And then it says here, the last bit of Jeremiah 6.16, it says, but you said we will not walk in it. Now, God is obviously in this moment in Jeremiah speaking to the people of Israel. Okay. And and he's talking to them about sticking to what he commanded them and the truths that he'd given them and the way that he wanted them to walk. And, and all of the, the result of that. But, but he, in, in that situation, yeah, but you guys don't want to walk in it. Now, all of us have a choice at this moment of responding or saying, yes, or I'm not sure, or, I don't really want to in relationship with what God is saying. So let's move on, OK, uh, at this moment. So ancient doesn't necessarily always sound as exciting as new. Because new is like, well, I want a new thing, a new thing, a new thing. It's when you've maybe had a possession in your own life for a period of time, and and, and you think, well, I'd like, you know, you might, have, you may, maybe you got a TV. I don't know. Maybe you got a nice 40-inch sort of the latest. TV, And you've had it for a while and lots of people are getting 55-inch TVs or something. And you think, oh, yeah, it'd be worth, you know, I'm getting a bit fed up with mine. It's got a great picture, but it's not as big as I want it to be. And so, and so it's exciting to think about getting a new TV and a bigger one because it would be more like a cinema in your home. And sometimes the new, we think about the new like that. And actually, what we've had isn't old and out of date, OK? It's just that we're excited by the new thing or getting something else. It's not really going to change or add anything because God's not just trying to to, uh, get our attention by saying there's new, there's new, and we go, all right, there's new. He's like, no, 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 ancient paths, ancient paths. That's where the good way is. That's where the fruit is. That's where you're going to find rest in your souls, okay? So what does God have in mind in terms of us living this ancient paths or us being agile at this moment? available to do whatever. What does this Monday to Saturday look like, okay, at this time? Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 4. What did God have in mind? We're going to read uh, the first four verses. This this is uh, God, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me. Now, when Jesus first started his ministry, pretty early on, he went to Nazareth, where he was, where he was, um, uh, he came from, he was born. And, uh, not born, he was born in Bethlehem, but raised in Nazareth. And he went to the synagogue in Nazareth and he read this scripture. Then he sat down and they, they were like, wow, you know, who is this? And he said, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And so Jesus refers to these verses here. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to do what? To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. You know, we're proclaimers of such good news as believers, that they have vengeance of our God and, uh, and, and to comfort all who mourn to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So if you're a believer, if you know Jesus, this is what has happened in your life already. The anointed one, Jesus, has already proclaimed the good news to you. He's bound up the broken heart. He's proclaimed freedom into your life. He's released you from darkness. He's already proclaimed His favour over your life. He's already comforted you and will comfort you in whatever situation you are in. He is your provider. It says he provides for those who grieve. He's your provision. He bestows on you and has done already a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy. He has already given you the oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a. Uh, uh, a spirit of despair. So if you know Jesus, you're already, that's who you are. He's been describing you already. But then what does he want us to do? He wants us to take what we have, this life and all the abundance of that to those that are still in those situations. Okay, so when God writes this scripture and when Jesus refers to it, he's he's thinking something in mind that we'll come to in a moment. Okay, then in verse four, the last verse here, It then says, they, those that are brought out of these situations. So he's talking about you and I here. Okay. And he's also talking about the ones that are yet to come out of those situations. He then says here, they will rebuild the ancient ruins. Interesting, it talks about ancient ruins. Okay. And restore places long devastated and they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Now, we know that talks about uh, uh, God's people, uh, the Is- Israelites, okay, in the, when it was written. But also it's relevant for us today, okay, in the sense that he rebuilds the ancient ruins. He's going to rebuild the ancient pathways in our lives, places long devastated by sin. He's going to restore his life and everything. He's going to renew ruined cities, which is talking about people and places there. It's not just in us personally and something he wants to do generationally in the last part of that verse. Now, what did God have in mind when he wrote that? What did Jesus have in mind when he referred to it? Now, he had in mind, he was saying, this has been fulfilled in your hearing, which basically said to the guys in the synagogue, I'm the son of God, I'm the Messiah. That for them was like, wow, you know. Now, for the Jewish people, they were waiting for the Messiah to come. And in their understanding, when the Messiah comes, he's going to restore everything on earth back to the kingdom, okay? Now, that's what's going to happen when Jesus comes again. So for them to understand that the Messiah is in the synagogue right now, and this is fulfilled in here, hearing, that for them was like, this is it, it. When he comes, isn't he supposed to restore everything to the kingdom right now? But the first time Jesus came was to bring salvation to mankind, the kingdom of salvation to mankind, the gospel of salvation, so that we could be saved in order to come into the kingdom so that others then, from that point onwards could come into the kingdom through salvation so that when Jesus comes back, he comes back for all those that have been already saved into his kingdom on earth. And then we rule and reign with him forever. Okay, that's brilliant in terms of what God does. So what did God have in mind? There's a phrase here called tikkun olam. And what that means and what this Isaiah 61 means, what this means for us as, as the church is this, tikkun alam means to repair, to restore the world back to its original intention, how it was supposed to be in line with God and his purposes. So when Jesus When Jesus refers to Isaiah 61, when God wrote Isaiah 61, He wasn't just saying, this is a nice thing to say that I want to do in a few people's lives. He was saying, no, all of this stuff is to kun olam. It's to bring restoration. It's to transform. It's redemption. It's to bring everything back to the original intention of what I intended to things to be. So why is it so important the last few weeks that we've heard about who we are in Christ and what that means and last week's message about being a people of love and what that means practically worked out because what God has in mind all the time for us as the church is tikkun olam, restoration, redemption of the world through the church. That's why it says in the last few verses, of the, we read, rebuild, restore, renew. It's about, it's not just about your life and my life daily doing whatever this, that and the other. But it's about our life together as the people of God. So let's just move this on for a moment. In Matthew 28, Jesus, before He goes up to heaven, He says to the, the, the disciples in Matthew 28, He gives them the Great Commission. What did He have in mind when He gave the Great Commission? He had tikkun alam. That's what He had in mind, Re- uh, redemption, restoration, bringing back everything back in line with the kingdom. That's what He had in mind. So when He says in verse 18, all authority in heaven, and on earth as being given to me. He's saying all authority is because there's going to be redemption, transformation, restoration. He then says, therefore, in that authority that I have been given, he then says to you and I, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He doesn't just say, go and convert a few people to Jesus. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. There's something of redemption, God's redemptive purposes about transforming everything around us in relation to him, baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And then it says this, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So what does the word teach there mean? The word teaching there means teach, means to show by example. It means let them see your life. It says, teach them to obey. Well, you know what it's like with your kids. If you've got children, you can't just tell them to obey if you don't show them how to behave because they look at our behaviour, not just what we say. If our behaviour doesn't line up with what we say, what they hear from us is, you need to do that. And in their little mind, they're going, yeah, but you don't do that. But you're telling me to do it doesn't add up. And so when, when Jesus says this, he's not just saying, tell them something. He, what he's saying is, show them by the way that you live, what obedience or what living as a believer looks like. That's what making disciples is. Sometimes we don't know what the word if we use, the word disciple. We go, man, I, I don't know. Discipleship. That's beyond me. That's another realm you know, but actually being a disciple is living in the truth and working out the truth in your life. We've heard that we are perfect in Christ, but we are seeking to outwork that perfection in our lives. That's why daily we want to submit our minds to the truth so that we live in the good of it. We want to submit our emotions to the Holy Spirit so that there's a stability in our lives. We submit our body, our hearts, our minds, all of that so that we are taking the reality of some of what's going on in us and we're submitting it to the truth of who we are in the Spirit, who we are in Christ, so that we're then working that out in our lives. And so all you need to be is one step ahead of someone else in order to disciple somebody. What did it look like when Jesus said, he, he said in Matthew 419, Come, follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. He just says, come follow, come and look at my life. Watch me, listen to me, see what I do and how I live. And and if you live in the same way, you're going to see and do the same things as I am. So when Jesus is speaking to, he has this Great Commission in mind or what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28. What he's got in mind is Tikkun Alam. Transformation of the world, transformation of cities, transformation of towns, transformation of communities transformation of our neighbour's lives. He's thinking redemption, transformation, restoration. He's thinking of all of those things now on earth. He doesn't just say, if you go and preach, one day the kingdom will come. He says, no, go and do this now in my name. So we need to close because it's, it's time's cracking on. Ephesians 4 verses 11 to 16, we're not going to read them all, just a couple. It says that Jesus, in verse 11, Christ gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Five particular giftings or ministry giftings or ministry expressions, if you like, um, that, that he gave. What does it say? What are they for? Verse 12, to equip His people, God's people, the church, for works of service. Another word for that is for ministry. um, So that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and so on. Now, what does this mean? It means that every person has has a ministry. Every person has a service. Every person has ministry gifting, has something from God. Not everybody's going to necessarily step into leadership, but everybody has, has a ministry, a way of outworking and seeing God work through their lives to the benefit of others, to, for the blessing of others, whether, whether that's towards people that know God or people that don't know God. okay. And, and so in the context of what we're speaking about this morning and what God is saying, I believe that God wants us to focus more on the Monday to Saturday in terms of tikkun alam and how God wants to bring redemption, restoration, transformation through our lives as a people and, and how the church begins to grow in strength, in faith, in fruitfulness in that way than just us, just not just us, but lots of churches um, trying to just get a Sunday morning going. Because I believe what will happen if we just, or prioritize Sunday morning trying to get together, there's this phrase, or getting back to normal, or getting back to something that we've known, and, and that'll be good. And I'm not saying that meeting together, and even though you would have to wear a mask and all this stuff, being in a room together, praise God, something will happen. But if we're not careful, we end up getting back to, right, Sunday's back open, the church is back open. Oh, great, we're we're now back. And if we're not careful, we can then miss what God wants to do at this moment in terms of health in the home, grassroots move of the Spirit that I believe God is, we're right at the beginning of, that is about mobilising you and I, the everyday believer in our lives to be effective. Why was last, the last few weeks so, so important? Because it builds up the truth of who we are so that we don't listen to the lies of the enemy, but we live in the good of who we are. That gives you confidence and boldness then to live in the way that God wants us to live. Just to close, We don't know how long things are going to go on for, restrictions, guidelines, everything else. But we want to make the most of this moment. We've got to make the most of this moment and what that means in our lives. Christianity is lived out right now, in the moment. Christianity is not lived out tomorrow. It's not lived out next week. It's lived out right now in the moment. And I believe as we allow God to speak to us and continue to work in our hearts, as he has been, that we're then available. And we've been really encouraging everybody. What's God saying to you in this moment? What's the pivot moment for you? What's the shift moment for you? What's God been saying to you during this season? What's the ministry? What's, what's God putting on your heart? What, what do you want to see released through your life? And there's three key parts. We, we're not, we can't go into these today because we haven't got time, but there's three key parts. These are ancient paths. And when I say the three things, none, nobody's going to go, oh, what's new about that? Okay, because we're not talking about new, just new, what's the new, what's the new? We're talking about ancient paths. Three key things, I believe, mon- that are going to be increasingly important Monday to Saturday. One is prayer. You're all going, oh, right. You know, one is prayer um, in your home with those that you gather with and meet with. You, you can come and pray in the building here, okay? Uh, and and uh, so, just phone in the office and find out how you can you can come up to in, up to in a moment in a group of six. You can come and pray in in here during the week. Um, you can book it, come and pray, pray with others, meet together, but effective, fervent, powerful prayer. We're going to come to that. Prayer. The second thing is witness, sharing our faith, evangelism. Well, what's new about that? Well, that's an ancient path. And the third thing is discipleship, making disciples. I don't know how to do that. We, we've just touched on it this morning, which is simply how you live as a believer, showing other people what that looks like. You know, one of the brilliant things about discipling somebody or investing in somebody else's life is you have to be living it yourself in order to show somebody else what it looks like. And I, I believe that is so healthy for believers, for Christians, that when we're investing in other people, that helps us to stay walking in the right way. It helps us to stay connected. It helps us, and God God knows that, uh, because when, you have, when you're leading others, you have a responsibility. Well, not leading, but when you're investing in others, you kind of feel like, I want the best for them. I want to show them. I want to teach them. I want to, and all of that and there's an area of growth in your life that will only happen when you invest in other people like that. So we're going to cover, come across, we'll, we'll look at some of those things another week, okay? But we've got to this point, let's just pray, okay? Let's just take a moment. Father, we thank you that we are in this moment of change in the nation and they're in the church, in our lives. I believe it's good to be really important to throw off any condemnation from the enemy first of all. Any lies that you've been living under, taunts that you've, have been coming your way, just throw them off. They're, they're, that's not who I am. I'm not living under the lies of the enemy. I'm living in the truth of who God says I am. Shift and pivot means change. And often, a lot of us, we don't like change or doing things in different ways or or whatever. We talk about the new, it's exciting, but the new is change. Pivot, shift, go the other side or whatever. I believe it's important that we, God, shift me, pivot me, move me, in the way that you want to. So I'm totally available from Monday to Saturday what you want to do. In many nations, they can't have Sunday mornings, whether it's on stream or or physically meet in a building somewhere, maybe because it's illegal, because Christianity is illegal in that nation. And so therefore, on one level, they're forced to have to express their faith in a very, very everyday things, sharing their faith and which they could get into serious, of a lot of trouble for, discipling people and all of that in some nations it's like that and I know it's not like that in this nation and therefore it's easy for us to say well we don't live under that so but I, I think we need to have that mindset. What would it be like if we didn't have a Sunday morning or we Well, I know we can't physically go, but we're having a meeting now. Okay, it's across the internet. If you couldn't do this, how would you feed yourself differently? How would you pray? Would you be more eager to try and meet with some other believers, communicate somehow because it's like, well, there isn't a Sunday to go to, there isn't a Sunday to connect into. I'm not going to get a message this weekend because either the internet's been shut down by, and, and there is no internet now in the nation. I mean, imagine that. There was no internet and everything had been shut down. What would that look like for the church? How would the church operate and move? And I believe God wants us to really take some take stock at this time, say, what would my Christian life look like Monday to Saturday if I, I, for, in terms of self-feeding, in terms of connecting with others, agreeing, believing? What would my witness look like? What would he, what would it look like? And I believe God wants us to be operating much more like that as a church. That doesn't negate what Sunday's all about. But what we don't want to do is just think, well, there's Sunday meeting, I've been there, attended, I watched it, great, brilliant, I'll get on with the rest of my week. Now, God's God's got tikkun alarm in mind. Redemption, restoration, transformation. Maybe just pray this. Father, I want to live to kun Alam this week to those that are around me. Like I read like we read in Isaiah sixty one. Maybe just go through that again. What does that mean in Isaiah sixty one? It means to share the gospel, proclaim the good news. It means to bind up the brokenhearted. It means to proclaim freedom to people, bring people out of darkness. The Lord's faith, proclaim the Lord's faith, it means to comfort those who mourn, to provide for those who grieve, to bestow on people beauty, joy, which is what's that? It's the gospel. It's God's life and goodness. We want to we be going about God's kingdom business like that. Maybe literally as we close this morning in terms of the message, just say, Holy Spirit, lead me this week in that way. Holy Spirit, lead me this week in that way, in your ways along those ancient paths to see your ancient truths work in those around me, those you want me to have contact this week. Maybe some of you don't know Jesus and you want to respond to him today. Surrender your life to him. So I've never heard any of this stuff. Maybe the first time you've been, welcome. Great to have you with us if you've never connected in with us before. Maybe even the first time or those you've been maybe checking it out for a while and you're thinking, what is all this about? You've been asking questions, chatting to those you know. You might be at a point say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. You You can do that today. Literally, asking him to forgive you for your sin, the things that are separated from him, and then saying, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Would you give me yours? If you're with other people in a room that know Jesus, you can turn to them at the end of this time together and say, hey, can you pray with me? Can you help me surrender my life to Jesus? If you've never done that, but nobody around you knows Jesus, or you're on your own and you don't know Jesus, get in touch with us. at KingdomFaith.com and we'll get in touch with you and and we can pray with you, meet with you, talk with you, help you take this first step to know Jesus. Father, we just thank you for your Lordship in our lives and homes. We thank you, Father. We praise your mighty name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you.